For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Really Duncan had it. They turned it over. Alley -oop back to Kevin. Oh, baby! You can see it coming, and the building is electric off that slam dunk. Welcome back to the A Wolf Among Wolves podcast, part of the A Wolf Among Wolves podcast network on awolfamongwolves.com. You can find the show on Twitter at awaw underscore podcast, and you can find the A Wolf Among Wolves blog at awaw blog on Twitter. Today, I am joined by Andy Andy Grimsrud and Logan Alton, both writers at A Wolf Among Wolves. How's it going, guys? It's going great. Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good as well. Um, so today, the point of our show is just we're going to talk about our big board that should be coming out soon if it hasn't already come out already when you guys are listening to this. Uh, so basically, Logan, uh, myself, and Andy were tasked with ranking like our top 50-ish prospects, and then we compiled and got a list of our top 30, and then a few that just missed the cut we'll mention as well. So I think first, what I'm going to do is just run through the list and just say the overall list of what we um, we ranked everybody in order. So basically, we just took uh, whatever rank we had everyone. I averaged it out, and that's how we got our overall rank. I won't say their averages, but you guys can find that in the article on wolfamongwolves.com. But first off, our first prospect overall was LaMelo Ball, followed by James Wiseman at 2, Anthony Edwards at 3, Onyeko Kongwu at 4, Denny Avdia at 5, Tied for 6th, we had Killian Hayes and Isaac Okoro. Tied for 8th, we had Devin Vassell and Obi Toppin. At 10th, we had Tyrese Maxey. 11th was Patrick Williams. 12th, Cole Anthony. 13th, Tyrell Terry. 14th, Tyrese Halliburton. 15th, Sadiq Bey. 16th, Aaron Neesmith. 17th, 17th Precious Achua. 18th, Kira Lewis. Uh, 19th, Jalen Smith. 20th, RJ Hampton. And then we had three players tied for 21. We had Alexei Pogusevsky, uh, Desmond Bain, and Trey Jones. At 24th, we had Grant Riller. 25th, we had Jamias Ramsey. 26th, Theo Maladon. 
27th, Josh Green, 28th, Jaden McDaniels, 29th, Daniel Oturu, and then tied for 30th, we had Leandro Balmero and Tyler Bay. So that was a lot. That was a lot of prospects, a lot of names just ran off there. So if you guys are, you know, if you're not driving and you're listening to this, you could pull up that. You can see the sheet online. But that was our top 30, and then we had some just missed the cut where their averages was just outside of the top 30. Zeke Naji, Isaiah Stewart, Nico Mannion, Emmanuel Quickly, and Jay Scrub in that order are the next five. So, overall, thoughts on the list and how it compares to yours. We'll start Logan. How do you feel this list um, ranks out overall? Yeah, I'd, I'd say we had the same like names for around 1 through 10 and 11 through 20. It's just that it was all over the place for the most part with those names. Um, but as a whole, it wasn't, there wasn't too crazy or too many crazy differences, just onesies and twosies that I might be a little higher on than you guys. Yeah. I definitely thought that it was overall pretty, you know, the top 20 players we had were pretty much around the same top 20, which was, I thought kind of interesting. Cause I feel like after 10, there's a lot of, a lot of chances for disagreements, but Andy, what, what did you think about that? Yeah, there wasn't any like real earth-shattering differences. You guys, I think, probably are, are better versed in the the later picks than I am. I'm I'm kind of relying on the consensus experts and sort of secondary sources for some right. of those takes pretty heavily. But I think you know we'll talk about each of the wolf spots probably in a moment. But I think the probably the most interesting is the the number one spot where we sort of had a significant disagreement at least insofar as you guys having mellow ball as your your number one and me having him fourth i didn't i didn't get as bold as like david thorpe who i believe said that mellow, mellow ball should not be taken in the first round which was a hotter take than i'm capable of but i i did have him go down to the four slot which is relatively low for him but otherwise yeah no i think we were kind of in the same ballpark uh this alexev pokushevsky if i said that even close to correct He's kind of caught my attention in the last, like, 24 hours. I guess I'm late to the game. I saw Logan has him 12. Right. Um, those are the kind of guys that I get a little more interested in when we have later picks, like 17 and especially 33. But, uh, yeah, you know, guys who sort of rise up later, if he did, if, unless I was just late to the game. But I think he's sort of, a, sort of a recent climber of draft boards with seven feet size and skills and stuff like that. So I'm interested to hear more about him if you guys have some insights. But Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's, I think, yeah, for me personally, I thought it was, um, I could see arguments for pretty much everybody that, that we all kind of ranked at certain spots. And I think when you go down the line, I think this shapes out to be close to what a consensus would be if you just threw like, if you found a hundred different boards and just kind of compiled them together, I feel like it'd be somewhat similar to this. It would average out to where it would look similar to this. Um, but let's talk top picks. Um, so, yes, Logan and I actually both had LaMelo Ball at our top pick, and Andy had him fourth. So, Andy, what do you see in LaMelo Ball that had to keep him out of the top three for you? Yeah, well, it's, you know, I kind of write this in our in our post that's going up, I think, uh, Tuesday morning, so maybe people will be able to access it when they hear this. But it's a little bit more of, I'm kind of um, down, I'm relatively down probably on everybody at the top of the board for being that high up. It's just the nature of this year's draft. So I have Anthony Edwards at number one and I have James Wiseman at two and I have Onyeka Okongwu at three. 
not as much because I'm so high on those guys, but I'm just kind of a little bit low on maybe everybody, including Ball. With regard to Ball specifically, I mean, there's definitely some intriguing qualities there. Six foot seven playmaker who can pass like nobody. I mean, I, I totally understand the, the intrigue there. I worry about his shooting mechanics. You know, when you get all the way up to the NBA level, it's sort of the, you, you kind of stop seeing those funky shots still right. exist. You know, they, he might make it in a certain level of games, make shots, but for whatever reason, you know, the, the shooting forms tend to be a lot more uniform once you get up to the NBA level. And I'm, I'm, I'm a little scared of a guy with a funky looking shot, even though sometimes, you know, Kevin Martin, for example, for example, some guys can make it work. Um, and I'm also, you know, I'm not crazy about hearing that he didn't try on defense in his lone, you know, in his last professional season. Doesn't mean he won't try on defense in the NBA, but it's, you know, when I watch people like to compare him to his brother, Lonzo, and I could be wrong here, but I don't think I'm remembering this wrong. At, U at UCLA, he was a pretty strong defender. He looked yep. like a guy who kind of had all the, the basic fundamentals down other than also he has a weird shooting motion, something like the right. Lonzo ball driveway that they don't know how to learn how to shoot a basketball normally. But other than that, I'm kind of rambling here. But I, I guess I'm just a little skeptical that a guy with a weird shooting motion is going to be your – your premier um, kind of playmaker guy. And then I worry if he has a secondary outcome, if he's not going to be a superstar point guard playmaker guy, I don't know what you do with him because I'm not sure you want him off the ball either. So I guess that's, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, I, I can definitely see your argument too. The jump shot should scare everyone. He didn't, and not only is it broken, he didn't have great results with it either. At least with Lonzo, he shot the ball well at UCLA. So you could, um, kind of bet on him being a better shooter plus their mechanics being broken i feel and i'm not an expert on shooting mechanics by any means but their mechanics being broken are two separate ways where lonzo always had a good base it was just that the ball came from the left side of his head and crossed his face as yep. he shot where Lamelo's everywhere his feet his ankles his knees his hips everything just seems weird in his jump shot and i think that's something that uh definitely needs to be taken into account but I do think he has touch, and you can't really quantify touch. But I think he has some shooting touch, especially with like his floater, which will help him make some more threes because he has a higher arcing shot than Lonzo did too. But I would not bet on this shot being good unless he gets some serious work on it as well. Um, I guess for me, personally, having him one is basically just looking at how good his playmaking is. And I think any guys reading this piece will have read what I said but I think he's the type of player in this draft where he makes your best players better he doesn't necessarily have the greatest potential at becoming your best player but we don't the Timberwolves in specific don't need Carl Anthony, or don't need LaMelo Ball to become our best player because we have Carl Anthony Towns and we have D'Angelo Russell however you feel about D'Angelo Russell um, still he is your second best player and I think that LaMelo Ball surely will make Towns better not fully bought in on him making Russell better, but I think he just makes people around him better with his playmaking in general. And then defensively, um, even though he might not be a great defender and have a lot of effort, uh, that size is going to help him some regardless, just because he will get in passing lanes. And yeah, I think he's a more special playmaker than his brother, but I don't think he'll um, be the defender Lonzo is. If he becomes the defender that Lonzo, Lonzo is, with that playmaking, which is better than Lonzo's, I would say Lonzo's a really good 
uh, transition playmaker. But in the half court, I don't see anything special with Lonzo, and I do with Lamelo. So if he becomes 65% of Lonzo on defense and is as good a passer as he is, I think that's a player that really heightens the floor of your team and raises the ceiling. But Logan, what are you, what's your argument for one for Lamelo? Yeah, I was a big Sean Marion fan growing up, so I don't know what the shooting problem is. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I'll just decide. Um, I, I think he honestly just has the best potential to be a superstar of the group. He has this unique blend of size and playmaking and all-around feel for the game. And um, aside from his shooting wonky mechanics that I believe – he or someone claimed that he wasn't really open to changing it which is a red flag i had seen that as Uh, well but aside from that um a lot of it has just been like his defense he hasn't tried or hasn't really had to imply himself like throw him into an nba system and you know who knows maybe he improves that maybe he doesn't but i like his glaring holes more than i like wiseman's or uh anthony edwards okay that's a fair argument i think there's another point too with the defense um you look at like a ben simmons defensively in college he just didn't care in college because he knew he was going to be a top pick in the draft he knew he'd get to the nba and now you look at him he's i mean some people argue he's the best defender in the league i don't think lamelo will ever be that but there's a point to be had maybe they just never asked him to play defense and when he gets to the next level if somebody's harping on him to play defense and maybe he can get his brother in his ear because his brother obviously is a really good defender as we already talked about just telling him like you want to make it in this league you're going to have not leangelo lonzo um you're gonna have to you know play on both ends and really be a impact impactful player um but i still wouldn't bet on that and with that said i would probably still take him number one overall um but i'm not opposed to other options either he would just be my number one guy. And it should be said, too, I don't know about you all, but I specifically didn't rank my prospects according to, um, like, as a Timberwolves big board. I was looking at it as just an overall prospect in general. I don't know if you guys went the same route, and I don't think it matters either way. Um, but I just want to put that out there that I just ranked these players overall in a how good of basketball player will they be, not thinking specifically about system. Yeah, I also did mine in a vacuum as well. It's funny about the lack of defensive effort in their last, you know, their their last season because that sort of is the exact same thing people are talking about with Anthony Edwards. I agree. And comparison, it's like yep. he's got the tools. He had that one season, you know, a bad program. It's like um, I think Anthony Edwards has pretty, pretty strong defensive physical traits if he applies himself, but. You know, it's sort of that right. question of will he or will he not. <laughs> right. I think Which isn't great. And I think it's a you fair know. argument for Edwards, too, though. I don't, like, yeah. if I'm making that argument for Ball, I would never be upset at someone making that argument for Anthony Edwards or for whoever else. If it, you sure. know, it can apply yeah. to multiple people. Yeah. So It'd be better if they were just really good at defense uh, all the time. But there's a sense that, you know, college basketball can be – especially at a program like Georgia or LSU where 
where Ben Simmons and Anthony Edwards went, where those football schools are probably just so happy to have a recruit of that stature. They maybe aren't as sort of hard on them as they might be if it was like Calipari at Kentucky or something where everybody's held to a certain standard. I don't know. (laughs) And the other thing too, is that Georgia team was so bad that he, that Edwards had to exert so much energy just trying to keep them in games offensively that he, it's very possible. He just didn't have the energy to play defense and he just had to keep his team in the game is that a is that a is that a testament to where he's at physically or you know i don't think so i think he's just a hell of an athlete and i think he's going to be in shape um but it could be a mental thing too and sometimes those mental things can't be you know overcome but sometimes they can yeah i think it's funny with certain guys certain guys uh are like big scorers in college and then become like lockdown defensive specialists. I think even like Dennis Rodman, I think was like a huge scorer at a small college and right. um, maybe Trenton Hassel too. We'd have, we'd have to ask Tim on that. Yeah. One. We'd have but to I talk think, to Tim, anything Trenton Hassel related. Yeah. Some guys really redefine themselves when they could jump from one level to the next. And sometimes it happens the other way around where you have someone like a Devin Booker who came off the bench in college and now he's a top 10 scorer at the NBA level. So it's just yep. weird. Some people are not built to play college basketball. And there, there's another prospect I kind of argued um, for because of that reason. But Logan, you have any more thoughts about the top? Like Anthony Edwards, I guess we kind of transitioned into him. But you have him down at eight. I have him at two and mm-hmm. Andy has him at one. So let, let's hear let's hear this. I'm not a big Edwards guy. I, I think... He has a lot of shades of Wiggins in the worst sense. Like, he has a lot of that really bad decision-making, bad uh, shot selection that Wiggins had. And he has a little bit better aptitude for the game and feel for the game. But I I wouldn't buy too much of his stock. Yeah, and I'm of the camp that kind of feels the Wiggins comparisons are lazy with Edwards, but I get it to a point. I don't think their play styles are that similar, and some people have made that argument. But if you talk about the point just with Edwards not giving effort all the time but having all the physical tools and not taking the best shots, then I see the Wiggins comparison. But like on court, how they play, I don't see it too much. And I don't think that's necessarily the argument you were making, but I've seen the argument made quite a bit. Um, I like him a lot. I just think you bet on the tools. Uh, especially in a draft like this at the top pick. Um, you know, you bet on whoever you're drafting, just having those tools and possibly becoming a really, really good player. Um, so what's your argument for Edwards at one then, Andy? Why is he your favorite prospect? Yeah, you know, he, it's it's sort of like the least, I, I don't want to sound too negative about this draft, but he's kind of like my least bad option at number one. I, I kind of... You know, the physical tools are where you start with him. The 6'5", 225 pounds, you know, he's got the super explosiveness. It's There's the raw tools there of a pretty nice NBA wing. Um, his jump shot looks pretty decent from the eye test. He obviously didn't connect on a very high percentage of his threes. But, but he's taking as tough I think ones, he, too. Takes tough ones. Takes a lot of them. I think he shot like, like seven or eight per game. The hi- I think right? it was like the so, highest, maybe not the highest, one of the highest uh per 40 minutes or whatever in college bat, like over yeah. guys who are like just snipers, like Neesmith and stuff. And Dane Moore's talked about that a lot, but 
he the volume was huge for him yeah high volume and he shoots free throws pretty well i think um he's got pretty good mechanics and I just, I like that physical strength that he seems pretty willing to, to use, um, at the NBA level, you know, bodies start bouncing off you when you get a little more space and you go to the rim, he looks like the kind of guy that'll end up at the free throw line enough times to be a little more efficient in the NBA game. Um, on the Timberwolves, you know, I know we're not supposed to talk about need and we're only supposed to talk about best player available, but (laughs) I kind of something about this today, but I'm sort of scarred by so many past Timberwolves drafts, but one of them is the, I like ever like almost everyone. I liked Derek Williams coming out of college. Totally understood the logic of taking him with the second pick. But at that time when the Wolves had Kevin Love and Ricky Rubio and Pekovich, they really needed a they really needed a wing to sort of be the mm-hmm. glue between everything. And it just just turns out that that draft, if they would have gone by need, maybe traded down a few, that was a Clay Thompson, Kawhi Leonard draft. Right. And it's just when there's all this uncertainty in every single draft, um, if you're not taking Zion Williamson or Anthony Davis or Carl Anthony Towns, you know, maybe give a little bit of thought about need just because uh-huh. you, might, you might get lucky that you did pick the right guy in an uncertain draft. And then you got the guy at the right spot. So it's kind of a, cause yeah. I, I do, you know, you look, you look at how few pillars we have right now. It's kind of D'Angelo and cat sort of only there might be another guy there, Malik Beasley maybe, but, yeah, I that, think and that's like a sticky that situation one. in general too. With the Blake Beasley stuff, so you never For know sure. what's going to so happen like, there. If Edwards can become a, a a little bit better offensive player than we've seen in the NBA game when he's not chucking bad shots over contested uh, de- defense, and and if he can sort of be motivated to use his tool on defense, I think that's a guy you'd like to slot between D'Angelo and Cat. So that's kind of the basic rationale. It's not. I'm not really telling you anything you don't already know or right. other people don't know i do think that physical strength is not so common though when you see guys like um i think of like eric gordon i mean like, like lebron would be a stupidly right. obvious comparison someone a little less great like eric gordon guys who just use that muscle it's not everybody can play basketball and keep that much muscle on their body so right. you know it's just a hard thing to do so he's got the ability to he's got that body so that's that's something a little unique yeah, and I think that's a the best player available fit. Um, it's always every year comes up, and it's always a super interesting discussion. And I think part of it comes with where you are as a team. What are you looking for? You know, where are you at? Are you a contender? Are you hoping to be a contender in two years? Or are you planning on building for four or five years? What your situation is? I think those things are all. Um, something that has to kind of go in. I don't think there's a clear answer if you take BPA or if you take fit. Um, one thing you mentioned, like Clay and Kawhi, um, maybe Derek Williams would have turned out better if he was developed in a system that wasn't just bad. Like the Timberwolves were just a bad team for years with no true developmental coaches. And, you know, we didn't have a good reputation in that sense. And then Clay played in a system that worked to his skill set wonderfully. Kawhi had like the best development system in San Antonio. We don't know if those guys would have developed as good, but overall, yeah, they would have still probably been better picks than Derek because Derek really was just like a bust. He never contributed that much at the NBA level. Mm-hmm. Um, so the only player we all three had in our top three 
was James Wiseman. Logan had him two, Andy had him two, and then I had him at three. Um, and I so I think we're all pretty close on Wiseman. Um, Logan, what do you? Why do you have him? Like you know, why do you think that he's in all of our top three? It's not just specifically yours, but what do you think? Why do you think we would all have him there? Yeah, of the quote-unquote big three, he's the safest pick. He gives you the star potential that everyone has, um, but also gives you a really high floor. And, uh, you know, for Minnesota specific, he's kind of an awkward fit next to Cat, but, like, he gives you a potential defensive anchor who can stretch out the floor um, eventually. Um, it'll be a work in progress and everything. And then also adds a bunch of really unique things where, you know, there's a there's a road to him where he becomes a superstar. Yeah, and I, I could see that as well. Andy, what are your thoughts on Wiseman? Yeah, you know, we got such a small sample there with, you know, what did he play, one game more or less I think last three, year? Three games pretty three, much, but no, or three or four, but only went up against one good team, yeah. I think. So, so it's... He's kind of just a, a blank canvas, sort of. I mean, he's seven one or whatever. He's obviously got a, a the kind of a center NBA body that is always almost always going to find itself at the top of the draft. And obviously, mm-hmm. he did enough things in the AAU prep circles to to have his name very much at the top of the board for the last few years. Um, it, you know, it's it's really hard to know with him, but you know, I think in a normal year he'd probably be more like a seventh or eighth guy if that was his body of work just because mm-hmm. it'd be so hard to, uh, to put him over you know the usual cast of characters you probably see in the top three or four of a draft but right this year right. when you're going up again everybody's got flaws in this draft if it's lamella balls shooting form edwards is sort of lack of days you know sort of lack of engagement uh um, a a pretty limited offensive player for <clears throat> you know for high lottery purposes danny you know all the names there's all question marks up and down the board so if you can get a guy who's seven one with some mobility and some skills i mean that's it's there's worse decisions than that that's for sure i i just have a little bit of concern about him if he's not real uh, fleet of foot you know laterally if he Mm -hmm. starts getting picked on in the the screen and roll that the nba has so much of that's even guys like rudy gobert are sometimes getting played off the court so it's it's increasingly problematic if you're too big and slow right yeah, for sure. So I, I kind of agree with pretty much everything that's been said. Um, I think that his floor is relatively high, and I think his ceiling is really high. I just have doubts of him getting closer to the ceiling. But even at the floor, I think you can find something similar to like a Clint Capella or a Mitchell Robinson, like a rim-running center that can play some interior defense, block some shots. Um, but... I mean, if you can, if he brings in a jump shot, even at 33% from deep, that's respectable. You got to guard him out there. And if he's athletic enough to get by you with his first step, and then if he's versatile enough defensively, um, I think some teams should bet big on him. I don't necessarily love him with the Wolves. I don't like the idea of Cat playing anywhere outside of the uh, center position. So that's why I don't necessarily love him there. Um, But I am... I'm not out on Wiseman. I used to be a lot. I used to have him ranked lower, and he's kind of worked his way back up my draft boards the more I think about it. On a team like Charlotte or Golden State, I think he would work really good in system. Not like a system in Charlotte, but just like they need 
a big dude. They can't have Cody Zeller guarding the paint anymore. So I think Wiseman worked good there. Uh, I hope there's a trade to be had there. Pick up an asset and go down to three. And then you don't have to make a decision between Edwards and Ball. And you just take whoever's there at three or whatever. Um, But yeah, that is... I think we're all pretty much at the same spot with James Wiseman overall. And he came in second on our board, and he was 2-2-3 and for the three of us. So no big arguments there. Um, One thing I want to bring up, I wanted to talk about our highest-ranked players that did not make the consensus 30 between us and then the lowest-ranked players that each of us had that are in the top 30. So I'm going to start with the highest-ranked player. Um, Logan, your highest-ranked player who did not make the top 30 was Mason Jones, and he was your 25th ranked player, and I had him at, where did I have Jones at? Uh, Quite a bit lower than that, I do believe. He was, for me, 49, and he was 40 for Andy. So give us the argument why Mason Jones is a top 30 prospect in this draft, why he's the 25th, 25th best. Yeah, so with uh, Mason Jones, he is one of those, like, intriguing flyer guys. There's a very, um, like, high-risk, high-reward type thing with him where uh, um, he's 6'5", 205 pounds. Um, He can shoot um, off the dribble. He's decent from spot up. and it, it all comes together. It'll work out pretty nice. If not, um, he he is at times streaky. He doesn't do too well in traffic. He um, can sometimes stop the flow of the game. And it's basically you trust those things to work out. And from what I saw with him, I trusted a lot of it. And I think he'd be a good fun guy to like take a flyer on should he drop to 33 and i just liked him a little bit more than other guys i thought in that range all right and yeah mason jones i mean he scored the ball really well at arkansas this past season i mean he shot 22 uh or he scored 22 points a game uh not the best shooter but not a bad shooter by any means 35 percent from three i think He's a guy in the second round I definitely wouldn't mind taking a look at if you're looking for, you know, a scoring off guard. Um, I think he's definitely a guy that you could look at. Um, I just don't love um, I just don't love him. I don't know what he does. I don't know how he's going to score 22 points um, at the next level when he's not a great shooter and he's a little bit undersized for the two-guard spot. Um, but I don't hate him by any means. He's still in my top 50, but... Not necessarily a top uh, first-round guy for me. Uh, Andy, do you have any specific thoughts on Mason Jones as a prospect? Um, probably probably not too much. I probably don't have a whole lot to add on him. All right. So now let's go with uh, Andy's highest-ranked player that did not make um, the top 30, and that was Nico Mannion. He came in at Andy's board at 22nd. Um so he was 49th on Logan's board and 32nd on my board. So give us the argument, top top 30 prospect, Nico Mannion. 
I'm afraid I don't have a very good argument on Nico Mannion. I think I was paying attention to him kind of on Twitter early in the year, and people were, like, kind of having fun with, like, this red-haired Italian guy chucking threes and stuff. And I, um, I'm i now sort of giving it a closer look, and I'm not loving what I'm seeing on his stats. I thought he shot the ball better than that. So I hate to do this in the middle of our podcast, but I'm sort of <clears throat> creeping back away from my own projection there. Um I, I I think I probably overrated him. I don't but know what else to say. I won't say – personally for me, I would say he's higher, obviously, on your board than he is on mine. Both Nico Mannion, yeah. coming out of high school, he was a top 10 prospect in his class. Um, yeah. and That's kind of what I was remembering. You and know, a lot of guys still I have knew. him in their first round in um, yeah. other mock drafts and other big boards. Um, part of it is he got outshined by two other freshman prospects at Arizona, Josh Green, Zeke Naji just had better seasons than him. Um, the, yep. the one thing that dropped him, he was in my top 30 and he dropped lower for me because I had read some reports that he just hasn't interviewed well at all, um, oh, with really some not. NBA teams. So that's why he kind of dropped a little bit for me. Um, but I still see a lot of upside with him. I don't think yep. he's necessarily going to be a bad player. I bet he gets picked late first, early second round still. Um, but I want to yep. hear Logan's argument because he has him really low, 49. So There's what... just – the draft is so loaded with guards, and he just hasn't really done much for me. Um, it's hard to put him over guy like the rest of the guards while he just – interviewed poorly underwhelmed and got outshined and um i just didn't see too much that i liked yeah and i think that's fair um my thing with nico is you know he was on more of a i'm not gonna say loaded team but a better college team than guys like mason jones and some of these other top prospect top point guard guard prospects (laughs) He was on a better overall team with some better prospects, obviously two other first-round guys on his team. That it just, for me, is like, what would Nico have done if he was playing on, um, you know, an Arkansas team or another team where he was the guy? Like, at Arizona, he just was not the guy. And I think that kind of, like, tanked his draft stock a little bit. Like, what if he was in Tyrell Terry's spot and he was playing at Stanford? Would he... Yeah. His stats would look better, probably... And he would probably be a higher-ranked prospect. So I think situationally, that's one thing where I can't have him as low as um, Logan, but I also can't put him as high as Andy just based off. um, The matter of fact is the stats still are where they're at, and you can't fully go off stats, but they definitely have to play a role in this. And then, like I said, the interview process. um, If teams aren't liking him in interviews, that's going to drop his draft stock some for sure. Certainly. But then I want to look at the lowest ranked player um, that each of us had that still made the top uh, 30. So RJ Hampton came in our top 30 at 20th 20th place. Um, I had him at 12. Andy had him at 17. But then Logan, you had RJ Hampton down at 40. What is, what's your argument for keeping him out of our top 30? Admittedly, I haven't watched too much on RJ, but it's hard to find tape on him. It's hard to find tape on. It's hard to find tape on those guys that played overseas. 
um, just because you just don't have as much access to that type of stuff. So I didn't get to see a lot of RJ either. Um, but go on. It, it was just another case of there's better point guards out there in this draft. And the little bit I could find him on him, the things that I read about him, I was just, again, underwhelmed. For sure. I For me, um, RJ's 12th on my board. He was another really highly ranked prospect out of um, high school. I think he was top 10 in his class or something. Um, and I just think he is a super athletic kid that um, some team is going to bet on. And you always have these guys every year. There's someone who is highly ranked in high school, um, falls down draft boards out of college, and then in the NBA they actually make an impact again. And I think he could be one of those guys. He was the fifth-ranked prospect in the 2019 high school class behind Wiseman, Cole Anthony, Isaiah Stewart, and Anthony Edwards. Um, so I see some upside with RJ Hampton. And like I said, I have him at 12th. If you get a team that just needs a bouncy athletic um, guard and can play both guard spots, I think he's a guy you could take a bet on. And I think that he could develop really good for you. And maybe maybe he doesn't, but I'm pretty high on RJ Hampton compared to a lot of people. He hasn't really fell for me too much. Um, but Andy, do you have any specific thoughts about R.J. Hampton? Yeah, I kind of mirror what you just said. I, the fact that he was, you know, the fifth-ranked player in his high school class, he's a 6'5 guard. Obviously, there's some intriguing qualities there. He went to New Zealand, and that's just difficult to judge. Um, you know, it's, he's just a question mark, and to me, if you're a question mark with a reasonable amount of intrigue, you're probably going to fare pretty well in a draft like, like this one, you know, in any draft really, but in, in, in a draft like this one, if you were, you know, just very recently the fifth ranked guy in your class and you've got, you know, kind of the physical tools to be a pretty potentially intriguing NBA guard, that's worth a look, in, you know, the middle of the first round or something like that. I, I wouldn't be able to watch too many picks go by in this draft before he'd start to look like a, a decent option. Right. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at with him as well. Um, I don't necessarily love him as a prospect, but he's so, he's so intriguing to me, I had to keep him in my lottery. Uh, so that's kind of where I, yeah. I'm at personally with him. Um, so then let's talk about Andy's lowest-ranked player um, that made the top 30, and that was Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain came in um, on our total list. He came in at tied for 21st. He was 19th on Logan's. 18th on mine, and then 37th on Andy's. So, Desmond Bain. What don't you like about Bain? What don't I like about him? Yep. Oh, you know, I, I'm not really, you know, he doesn't have a great deal of athleticism. Um, you know, it, there's some questions about his, his defense. Um, it, I know he can shoot the ball, which is nice, obviously. Uh, that, that's valuable. But when you get down into the lower – get down out of the lottery and you're getting down out of lottery athleticism, if guys can't stay on the floor, uh, they start to not be in the NBA very long. And I, I kind of have concerns of when you have that type of issue. You know, like Kata Bates-Diop was a guy that fell pretty far and we got him and felt good about it. And I'm not right. saying his career is going to end right away, and I'm not saying he was terrible with the Timberwolves, but – you could see why he slipped. It's like, oh, his feet don't move very fast. Yeah. That's a real problem. <laughs> so I guess that's probably it. I don't have any real big problem with Desmond Bain, I guess. I guess I rated him lower than you guys. Maybe I maybe I rated him too low, but that would be my concern there. 
Yeah, and a big thing that a lot of people have uh, with Bain is he was a four-year player in college, so he is 22 uh, years old. He's actually young for being a four-year player. Um, he's only 22, but I think he's a good shooter. Um, personally, I think he's going to be a really good shooter, and I think he's going to be versatile to play you know, both guard positions at the next level. Um, but I think, yeah, he's just not super athletic. Um, I mean, he's, he's pretty built. He has some good, uh, some size and like, I'm talking like girth in his arms and his legs. Um, but it's going to come down to, like you said, how fast he can move his feet at the next level. I think he would really probably be a solidified lottery pick if he was coming out of college after his first or second year. Um, but being 22 years old always slides people down. Um, yeah, I would have him, like I said, I have him 18th. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's anything that severely drops him down my list. Um, I think the age is throwing a lot of people off. I think he's going to come and be a good shooter and I think he's going to be okay defensively. As long as he can move his feet well, I think he's going to be average on that side of the ball. Logan, what's your, cause you're just as high on him as me basically. So what do you like about Bain that I that I maybe didn't touch on? Yeah, um, I I think he's one of the best options in that post lottery group of guys to come in and immediately help you and immediately be ready from day one. Um, he kind of reminds me of Joe Harris in that he be a lights out shooter and then do everything else okayly and not yeah. hurt you but not really give you anything to write home about. For sure. Oh. And having a player like that in the range of, like, um, the, your Dallas's, your Phillies, your Boston's, um, and all of them is going to be a really nice guy to grab. Yeah, and I think um, that I think that those are very valid points, but I also think Andy makes some really good points, too. Like, the KWC up comp, positionally, play style, yes, they're not similar prospects, but when you look at, like, can he move his feet defensively is going to be a big thing that you have for a lot of prospects, and I can totally see that with uh, with him here. Um, mine, my lowest-ranked player, is uh, Alexei Pokusevsky. Um, I had him ranked 42nd on my board, and he is Logan's... Where is he for Logan? Uh, 12th, 12th, and then 20th for Andy. Um, with Pokusevsky, I just think he's going to need the perfect situation. And I don't see that perfect situation really anymore. You look at the teams that would be good to develop a guy like that, and you have um, a guy with people with similar skill sets like Jokic. Uh, but I don't see him getting much playing time in Denver if he goes there simply because they have Jokic. And then, um, obviously, Milwaukee did a good job developing Giannis. Um, but I don't... He's got the... I mean, he's a flashy passer, handles the ball really well, shoots the ball pretty well for being seven foot. I don't see a clear position for him in the NBA. Um, see him more as like a point forward or a wing than I do a big man. And defensively, I don't know where you put him. Obviously, he's going to have the length to, you know, make some things happen on the defensive end, but I don't think he's necessarily going to be a good defender. And I just, 
I'm not in love with him and a lot of people are in love with him, you have to really hope you have a really good um, developmental system to have him work out. But Logan, convince me otherwise. Sell me on yes. Pokusevsky. We've yeah. talked about him before, but sell me on him. So I think I said this the last time I was on here talking about the we draft. We talked about Poku kind of... a few. Like every time we talk, he comes up. <laughs> um, <laughs> when I think of Poku, I think of Giannis's draft. Not necessarily for like comparing him to Giannis, but um, it's the same situation where this draft is kind of garbage. Right. Um, and you're going to get some nice role players, and it's going to be GMs kind of daring them each other to, like, <laughs> okay, now is now a good, like, safe spot to take Poku. Um, and he's going to be one of those guys that has the potential to um, become the best player in this draft. And he's so unique. He, is one, he can move like a guard. He can dribble. He can do all that it's just that he is so so small like i'm pretty sure i weigh more than him and i'm a good like foot shorter than him and i'm not a heavy guy by any means right um but you know if you can if you trust your system if you can get him in and gain make him gain 30 40 pounds and just keep pushing if you can afford to bring him along slowly um there's a, a way for him to be yeah, really good. Like I, I, he's one of those guys that, um, where he gets drafted to matters the most. Yep. And uh, yeah, definitely. If, if the Spurs or like, you know, one of those safer spots take him. But are um, the Spurs safe? It's gonna be a lot better. The Spurs are good developmentally, but like. They've always been really traditional with who plays what. Like, Tim Duncan was a power forward down by the basket. LaMarcus Aldridge is, I mean, they didn't develop Mar LaMarcus Aldridge, but he's only recently started shooting the ball. They have no track record of developing a guy with even close to a skill set that Poku has, you know? And that's why, like, I like... San Antonio for developing guys like a Patrick Williams, who's a raw prospect, but you have a vision of what you want him to be. I have no idea what we want Poku to be, and I have no idea if San Antonio can help him be that. Yeah, and that's very valid. Um, I usually just go against betting against uh, Greg Popovich. because It's also a fair, very fair argument. <clears throat> yes, that's a very fair argument, too. Should not bet against Pop. But yeah, I, I think Seems there's a, like, lot, yeah. a lot of intrigue with him. No, go ahead, Andy. Yeah, I mean, guys like this always have my kind of attention to, you know, thinking about second-round picks and stuff. And he's – I just saw Kevin O'Connor has him rated 12th, so there's a good chance he's not around in the second round if, if some people think he's that good. But um, it just seems like so much of the the outcome of, of players like that is is kind of like their – their mentality and their professionalism and probably the situation, because I mean, like Deandre Jordan, he, he went to the Clippers and they were patient with him. He didn't play at all as a rookie barely. And you could tell there was raw tools there, but right. they committed to him and it worked out. And he seems like a good guy. Like he's popular around the league. So that probably helped too. Whereas like Hassan Whiteside, 
you know, he slipped in the draft. I think Sacramento took him. I, I, these are guys I always remember. I wish the Wolves would have taken. And yeah, he eventually became like a hundred million dollar player, but it took a few failures along the way. So yeah. you might take a guy like Pokashevsky, maybe in seven years, he's, he's making $10 million or $20 million a year, but you might've, you might see a couple of failed spots along the way if you don't do it right with them. Mm-hmm. So you look at that frame though, and the guy needs, you know, he, he got to put on, he's got to get stronger. I mean, that's a big, Kevin Durant type. that's a big, yeah, ask. like there's for sure. Like he, he, he doesn't look like uh he doesn't look, he doesn't look right. Right. <laughs> so yeah. he, he's going to have to get stronger. He's definitely sure like a, take a, a lanky, a lanky kid and a lot of people i mean think until like high school prospects right now like chet holmgren was just on espn the other night i mean he's a small yeah, kid yeah. too but he has more advanced handle than poku a better shot and he's just generally more athletic to where i would bet yeah. on a guy like that more than Pokusevsky. but the other thing with poku is i just think the competition he was playing looked like a um, like I don't know a local high school he was playing against like local high school prospects like he sure. was you know and that's just and I'm not talking like he's playing against Trey Jones in high school like I'm saying like middle of Minnesota's like West Central Conference that I played in high school basketball <laughs> um but I don't know I don't know how good that league is it's hard to ju- how hard to judge how good some of those leagues are and he played in a higher up league only a little bit I believe if I remember correctly um, so competition it was goes the same link that Giannis came from. The the higher up one he played in was the same one as Giannis. One of them, I I believe it might be the higher up one. Yeah, and he didn't play much in. I believe I remember correctly, he didn't play much in the higher up one. Um, but yeah, I I think he's intriguing if you can develop him. Uh, rumors are have come out today that Denver's interested in him, and if they can take him, um, I mean they're known for taking people like high risk, high reward players like Bull Bull. Um, Michael, and they take players that fall too. Michael Porter Jr. fell to them. Um, I think if they can get him time, get him down in their, I don't think they have a G League team though. No, they don't. Which, which is, is crazy. Which is crazy because they've developed some really good players and they have had to send players to random G League teams. Um, but if they can get them learning from Jokic, um, I think there's some redundancy with him and Bol Bol, but at the end of the day, if you can take both those players and just bet on one of them maybe panning out. Maybe that's the move for them. Um, if he did slip to the second round, I wouldn't be against Minnesota taking a look at him. I personally would rather have some other options at 17, though. But, yeah, he's intriguing. I think that's the he's got to be the most intriguing prospect in this draft. Yeah, um, and the Bull Bull uh, Poku front court is <clears throat> so funky and so much fun. Can you just imagine Jokic playing the five poku at the three and bull bull at the four that would be it'd be a scary lineup just to go i mean you you're gonna get that like the monsters out there it's kind of what it looks like from but yeah i don't know um he's interesting that's the intriguing interesting are the two words i have to say about him there um i'm trying to think if there's any other guys we had like a big discrepancy on I don't think there's a lot of guys. Is there somebody you like really love in this draft that's kind of in the middle of our board anywhere? In the middle? Yeah, like um, late lottery, a little bit after the lottery, kind of where the Timberwolves... Well, let's just talk about our picks. Yeah, let's just go through our picks. So we talked about pick number one, 
Um, does anybody have... Let's talk about our favorites to pick at number one. Um, so I'll go first quick. My favorites are just the top three. Ball, Edwards, Wiseman, in that order. Um, I think they all come with a lot of risk, but also um, really good potential reward as well. Like I said, Ball is the type of player that's going to make the rest of the team better. Edwards has potential to be our second or third best player. And then Wiseman could provide interior defense that we need, even if it's not um, the best fit. Um, and I'm taking these guys hoping that they have the best potential uh, return in a trade as well. That's why those guys are kind of my favorite. Um, and I think we just, I kind of am in the boat of if you're keeping one, you just take a big swing and try and make something work out. But you guys go ahead with your three favorite prospects at one. Why don't we go with Andy first? Yeah, so I went Edwards one. I, mean, I already kind of talked about the things I like about him. Um, I had Wiseman two, um, just as sort of a default kind of value pick. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he can play next to Towns. Maybe he takes a few years to develop. Maybe Towns is gone in a few years, and you're happy to have Wiseman there in his, his spot. You, you never know. Just as kind of a basic value pick, I like the idea of Wiseman better than some of the alternatives. I actually have a Kongwu third. Um Maybe I'm just riding the uh, Bam out of Bayou fever. He's the every you can hardly read anything about with a Kongu yeah. without seeing Bam out of Bayou next to it, and that maybe that's just influencing me or prejudicing. What did I say that right? Anyway, I think that might be part of the <laughs> persuading intrigue there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that may be affecting me because I have him one spot ahead of Lamella Ball, but I have a Kongu. I actually think a. Um, Britt Robson in his piece for the athletic today had this idea and it's one that other people have discussed too, which is a a Charlotte one for three swap where we get an asset, whether it be miles bridges or a future pick or something for the trade down. And then we take a Kongu at three. That would be a, that would be an outcome. I would feel pretty good about. It's not super exciting. You're not getting a future playmaker superstar guy, but you're probably not even getting Bam Adebayo, who's an all-star, all-NBA, I think. Yeah. But uh, you you might get, you know, I don't know who the who a sub sub uh, Bam Adebayo version is, but, you know, someone well, who makes it, your defense better and doesn't hurt your offense very yeah. much. Yeah, and I think he's going to finish well around the rim. I don't see – I see the Bam comp quite a bit on defense. Offensively, um, Bam's a much better passer and ball handler than I could bet on o- Okongwu being. But defensively, yeah. I actually like Okongwu – um, I just, it's hard to tell if this front office is going to go the route of having another guy that can't shoot on the court, especially when you have a Kogi and Culver out there. But I love the trade back scenario yeah. uh, with Charlotte. Yeah. Even just, I wouldn't need a whole lot. I mean, to get like a PJ Washington seems like a reach, but if you can get a Miles Bridges or a future pick or something. I mean, you save a little bit of money, and I'm a big advocate for saving money with how close we are for the to the tax line. Um, yeah. So I like the Charlotte trade-down scenario. I like Okongwu. He's not my top three, um, but I definitely do like the idea of him playing defense next to Towns. Mm-hmm. Logan, run through your, your favorites at one. Yeah, so my favorite is LaMelo Ball, who we've been over, uh, James Wiseman. And then it flip-flops a little between Okongwu and Denny Abia. But um, I usually lean a little bit towards Oneka, Oneka Okongwu. Um, and it's just because he's exactly what the defense needs. 
for the Wolves. He's a lot more comfortable of fit next to Cat, and um, there's you know you can reasonably play him at the four and not have too much awkwardness. Right. And then his running, his uh, abilities as a role man and a, a lob threat um, doesn't hurt the offense nearly as much as. Um, someone who's just going to kind of clog the paint and be a post-up type guy. Yeah, and I, I like I like that as well. Um, and then who are your other two? Uh, Wiseman and... And Ball. Ball. Okay, yeah, so you had Ball 1, Wiseman 2, and Okongwu 3. Yeah, I like that. Um, there, There's a lot of intriguing options, and I'm just so nervous for what goes down if we are picking at pick number 1. Um, I want to go ahead and throw this out there before we move on to pick 17. How are we feeling about Obi Toppin? Not as a prospect in general, but as a idea of pairing him with Carl Anthony Towns at the four spot. Um, I get, oh yeah, I don't like it. I, I hate I'm, it. I hate yeah, it. Yeah, so that's, <laughs> I just not, don't like it. I just hate it. It's like, it would yeah. I think I would cry really, really bad if that was the move, <laughs> especially if it was at like one. I mean, if you yeah. if he fell to like nine and you traded back to nine or something, he was there and you took him as a value pick, I could see it, but man, I just want some defense next to Cat for one time in my life. Sure. Like and Obi Toppin just not a defender in my opinion, so Yeah, I will say that like if he does have the positive views across the league that people like uh, Darren Wilson have kind of put out there, um, he might be one of those guys that are best off like the Timberwolves trade or draft him with the idea of trading him later and just having him be a guy that keeps his value, kills our defense but scores and you know 25 points per game, and um, you know the trade deadline should uh, Ben Simmons be available or something like that. Uh, maybe the Wolves might feel better about um, Obi Toppin's ability to keep his value over, you know, LaMelo Ball or James Wiseman. And if that's the case, I don't mind the pick, but if the, you're picking him to be a part of your core, I'm not too big on it. My biggest question mark with him probably is his, like, I know he, they talk about his explosive athleticism. He had a whole bunch of dunks, and, and that's good. But, like, not to keep bringing back a, a sore subject, but Derek Williams also kind of had that in college. And right. he's 6'9". He's not 7 feet tall. He's not 6'11". He, he compares himself to Kevin Garnett and Anthony Davis, who are basically 7-footers. Like, there's a and physical really good defenders. Difference. Those two yeah, are, there's like, a real, like, the best defenders yeah. at that four spot in, like, history. Yeah. And, and I like, just, even – I'm only thinking of offense too. Like if you're not bigger than your opponent and you're going to be that type of player, you you're, you know, Amari yeah. Stoudemire, you don't want to compare yourself too much to him because he's kind of a one of a kind playing in a one of a kind system with a one of a kind point guard. Like that right. was, you know, if you get to be the five undersized five man in the seven seconds or less sons in 2007 or six, I'm not saying Amari wasn't great. He was, he was yeah. unbelievable, but that was a situation that probably maximized Amari. Whereas, Obi Toppin, you know, he thinks he's going to, like, he's going to be facing off against Anthony Davis, and you're not going to just, like, overpower him with your dunking when you're some 6'9 guy. So I, I sort of view him more as a shooter than a dunker, and, and I think he could have a future as, like, a 
like a Channing Fry kind of a guy if he could really knock down threes and be like positional right. defender, like a good useful player. But I'm, I I question whether there's like a superstar upside just kind of based on him not being quite big enough or. But maybe I'm underestimating his his raw power. But like he's not very heavy. He's two twenty. You know, he's yeah. not he's not he going to beat like Zion. He looks bigger than his weight suggests he is. I don't know. Like his upper body yeah. looks a lot bigger than he actually is i think um and maybe that comes with his legs just aren't that big but yeah my thing with that is you brought up like stoudemire was in like a really good system for for him to pan out and there's not a team especially not the timberwolves that are going to cater a system towards obi toppin like sorry we're going to focus on carl anthony towns and you're going to have to see if you can fit in that system you're not getting a system over cat and that's why I really don't like him. Even though he he might be a really good offensive player, I still don't like him because you talk about people talk about his passing being underrated and he can pass from, you know, the the elbow. And I'm like that's where Cat passes the ball from. And I don't want anybody impeding on what Towns is doing. So I just don't like Obi Toppin for the yeah. Wolves at all. At all. Yeah. He slid to 17 or if we traded up to like 10 or something maybe but i i wouldn't put him in i actually have him higher than you guys i guess i had him six and yeah. maybe that was just a product of you know kind of who else i was looking at in that slot i i don't dislike him generally maybe too much but i like you said i have no desire to see him yeah next to town and I, and I have questions about you know what exactly does his offense look like in an nba game versus what it looked like in a in a dayton flyers game yeah, and I I definitely agree with that. I think in the right situation he'll he'll be good. Um, I don't think any team's gonna cater to him right away until he shows that he could be you know like a twenty five point per game scorer. But I think if there's a team that has a defensive five or four, because I could see him playing as more of a small ball five in the NBA. There's a team that has somebody that they don't really care if he has to play defense too much if he can just be a body down there. Um. Yeah, I could see him panning out some places, but I'm just not too big on Obi Toppin. Um, so was that everybody's, yeah, that was everybody's top pick. So let's move on to 17. I'll go ahead and read off mine quick. So I have four that I put out there because I'm just not sure who's, you never know who's going to be there at 17. Like we know who's there at one. Every Literally every prospect could be had at one. Um, at 17 though, um, if Sadiq Bey is available at 17, um, you 100% just go out there and get Sadiq Bay, in my opinion. Um, he could be a really solid shooter and projects to be a solid defender. He can play both forward spots, but I think he's on our team. He would be more of a four. Um, and I think I don't think you need to have somebody that's like an all-world defender next to Cat. I think Cat can hold his own if he doesn't have to um, think about those around him too much. If he's more just focused on who he is who he's guarding. I don't think you got to worry too much about him um, covering up other people's mistakes, and I think Bay would provide that for him. Um, Tyrese Maxey's another guy. If he's at 17, um, Kentucky players just, I mean, they just seem to pan out in the league. Jamal Murray, um, trying to, now I'm lost. I'm Devin Booker, Jamal Murray, Tyler Hero. Think about all these Kentucky guards that have come to the league. And the draft stock hasn't been quite as high. I mean, Murray was like the sixth or seventh pick or whatever he was. 
Booker was like 13, Hero was like 13. I just, I see a lot with Tyrese Maxey that I would like if he was at 17 um, as like a combo guard with high energy. Um, hopefully he can shoot a little bit better than he showed in college. But I like him. Tyrell Terry, another guy from Stanford. If you just want some shooting um, out of that point guard position, I mean, he's never going to be able to defend bigger than a point guard, and he's going to struggle against most point guards also. Um, but apparently he put on some size. He grew a little bit, put on some weight. I'd like him there. And then Precious Achua is just like a toolsy, like, 4-5 that I could see playing some solid defense next to Cat and then also being able to provide some stuff on the offensive side of the ball. So I like those four at 17. And I take whichever one is left, um, the best one left in this order, Sadiq Bey, Tyrese Maxey, Tyrell Terry, Precious Achua, um, whichever one of those guys is left, that's who I would take. Unless someone mm-hmm. falls really far, like a someone like a Patrick William or Devin Vassell or something falls really far. But I don't see that happening. So those are the guys. What about let's go to Andy. What are your who are your guys at seventeen? Yeah, you know, just the last sort of caveat you made of if someone falls unexpectedly, I guess that would be my sort of uh cop out answer. But and like Patrick Williams was the name I was thinking of in that regard too. But it seems like his stock is only going up. So yeah, I and I saw you you wrote Cole Anthony too in the article, and that's another one. If he's there, yeah. He's a top prospect was, coming to high school. Just bet on that at 17. Just kind bet of, on yeah. That. He, you know, like I was looking at ESPN's big board, uh, which I think is probably Givoni and um, Schmitz maybe right. combining forces there. I'm not sure how they do it, but they have Cole Anthony at 19. So that's a, that would give some hope that he might fall to 17. Um, and I like, you know, I was looking just now to see, and yeah, he was the second ranked player in his high school class. And he was like, always kind of the guy who stood out every time he had a big time high school matchup and you look at his highlights he has just sort of the aesthetic of a of an nba combo guard you know like a nice nice strong dribble you know pop and jump shots with a lot of control from all parts of the court like you could see that becoming an nba he looks like an nba guard kind of the way he plays and if his stats weren't quite super efficient maybe that means he'll never be efficient or maybe it means he was playing in a difficult situation. You know, I know um, I was listening to the NBA ringer. Yeah. They had a bad team and I was listening to the ringer NBA show and Chris Vernon was making like every excuse in the world for Anthony and basically saying he's got all-star potential. And that probably affected me a little, but I kind of see what he's saying. You know, you look at the the pedigree and the, what he looked like two years ago and, 6'3 guard who's kind of got all the scoring skills in the world and, and, uh, I'd, I'd take a flyer on him and there. he gives give some good. effort on the defensive side of the ball too so i i yeah I, I wouldn't mind if he's at 17 i would take cole anthony but then who are the who are the yeah. other guys i guess Ty- tyrell terry is another one everybody's kind of high on him he's been going up the boards um we all have him about the same spot it looked like 13 13 and logan had him 14 he's he's done this thing where he's added all this body weight and strength and even apparently some explosiveness um I like that. It shows that he's a hard worker, but it also is a, maybe a mini red flag just in terms of like um, kind of workout season as opposed to like what has he actually done on a basketball floor. I feel like, right. you know, can he keep that extra weight when he's actually playing 80 games a year and, or is that weight that comes off when the season starts? And, um, you know, I, when guys transform their bodies before free agency or before um, 
the draft. It's it's not necessarily a, a lasting thing. But he, he had a good year at Stanford and his jump shot is just beautiful. So there's there's a lot to like about that too. So he I'd be fine with Tyrell Terry at that spot as yeah. well. Yeah. And I, I think there's some comps there um with like Steph Curry in regards to that he was a good shooter in college. He's undersized. He's never gonna be able to really guard anyone. He's don't get me wrong, he's never going to be Steph Curry. But just the kid is a really talented shooter and his form is just so nice he's got a good release um mm-hmm. and you're not drafting him to play defense you know that going in if you're drafting ty you're not gonna get a defender and that and you'd have to be okay with that if you draft him um so i do like terry too i already talked about him too logan go ahead with your three players yeah um mine would be you know as you guys said the first guy that drops um but two men that you know, the draft plays a relatively predictable-ish. With, um, I'd probably go uh, Sadiq Bey, uh, Tyrese Maxey, and Pokusevsky. Okay, yeah, and I touched on Tyrese Maxey. Um, when in doubt, just pick a Kentucky guard. PKP, pick Kentucky players, that is a motto. I don't know who coined that, um, but it was someone around Wolves Twitter says it a lot. Maybe it was Meyer. But anyways, yeah. We talked about Maxi. We went in depth about Poku, and then I touched on Sadiq Bay as well. Just three and D guy. It's going to be a a good solid player. I don't see much growth in Sadiq Bay's game, um, but I don't know if he really needs to grow that much to be like a solid um, rotational piece at like that three four spot. So I like Sadiq Bay there. And then we'll go to second round yeah. picks. Or do you have something else to say about Bay? Oh yeah, I was just going to say he's that perfect like NBA height now where he's six eight and he's rangy enough to, you know, play basically like Jake Lehman where, you know, you can put him anywhere you want and just make it work. Yeah. And I could see him on the floor. You could have him on the floor with like Juancho Hernan Gomez and Culver. So you have like Culver at the two, him at Bay at the three and like Juancho at the four. But I could also see him on the floor with like Beasley. It could be like, you know, D'Lo at the one, Beasley at the two if Beasley's back, Akogi at the three, and then Bay at the four. You know, he has a lot of areas where you could play him on the floor. You could maybe even slide him to the two if you needed to go big or go defense if you don't want to put, like, Culver and Akogi on the floor together because neither of them can shoot. You go ahead and put him on the floor. I don't know. There's just – I would like him. I would really like him at 17. My fear is he gets taken at 16 with Portland there, and they really need help on the wing. Um no, they're taking Jay Scrub. Okay. <laughs> but anyway. Did you see that Kevin O'Connor? Um, it was Kevin O'Connor, right? Uh, probably. I didn't. Yeah, he is, one of them said that he was getting some buzz up for had, Portland at 16, and then I, I got to chuckle that, all of that. So, yeah, I had seen that <laughs> as well. All right, so I'll move to 33. Um, and I wrote that this is actually my favorite pick that the Timberwolves hold. When you just – the thought of getting – a first-round guy, because there's going to be a first-round talent there. On a team-friendly, non-guaranteed contract, it just sounds like heaven to someone who like really cares about the salary cap, like me. And, yeah, it just... When you think about like all these Nas Reed contract that we got, like that's such a good contract to have. Um, the Jordan McLaughlin, if you can sign him to a contract like that, that would be great. You just try and find these um, good players. Um, so those guys that I think hopefully are there, 
Um, I got Trey Jones, obviously Tyus Jones, uh, younger brother, heck of a guard defender. I don't think he's really going to be able to guard much more than the point guard position, um, but he's just a dog on that side of the floor. And he takes care of the ball really well, smart and safe passer. He's not an out-of-this-world playmaker by any means, but he doesn't make the wrong play, um, and that's really something that I think you could value in a backup point guard, somebody that just makes the right play and just defends the heck out of the opposing point guard. And if you're losing someone like Jordan McLaughlin, I think Trey Jones comes in, and um, if you t- take like LaMelo Ball at one, and you have Trey Jones as your third point guard, I think that's really good because I think he could help D'Lo and LaMelo defensively. And then Tyler Bay, just a super athletic kid. Um, He'd play like the four spot, um, pretty raw, but I think he'd be a really good player. Uh, Paul Reed, another guy that could play the four spot. Um, Good defender, projects to be an okay shooter. If he can become a good shooter, I think he would be really good at the next level. And then my last guy is Killian Tilly. And Killian Tilly, in my mind, is like a top 20 player in this draft if he didn't have all the injuries throughout his career. And I think you, if you're at 33 and Killian Tilly's there, the other prospects I mentioned might be gone. I mean, Killian Tilly could be a really, really good player if he just stays healthy. I think you just bet on him being healthy. Get him with some good doctors, good trainers, try and keep him healthy in the NBA. And I think the Wolves could afford to take a shot here, especially if we keep all three picks. Snag Killian Tilly with the 33rd pick, and I think you're walking away pretty happy. I mean, he's Denver's pick this year, right? That's their MO. Yeah, he Killian Tilly will probably go to Denver because they like to take the guys that fall with injury troubles. Bull Bull, Michael Porter Jr., just a whole laundry yeah. list of people. Um, yeah. All right, go ahead next, Andy. Yeah, for the second round pick, um, it's a little, it's even more that sort of catch all slash um, cop out answer, but it's really whoever falls. I mean, I that's a nice spot to be in for that type of a pick. The Wolves have been there before. They often don't take those guys, which always upsets me greatly. Um, I think the Alexei Pokushevsky guy is maybe the one to look at because. Every team in the first round knows they're taking a guy with a guaranteed contract and they're committing to that guy. Um, and there's a level of reluctance that teams seem to have on guys who are more of an abstract idea than a tangible, ready to plug in and play product. Right. I, you know, when we talk about, like, oh my God, look at how skinny he is, what's going to happen with that? You're looking at a few years of development there. And, and I could see teams being scared off from taking him in the first round. It seems when you're getting, you always talk yourself into the rankings being sort of very certain, but when you get up, you know, ESPN has him 18th, you know, I could see him getting passed 15 times. I mean, that, that happens. Um, it happened with Bull Bull. Yeah. People thought Bull Bull was going to go. Yeah. He went right after the Wolves picked. I think he went right after Jalen Noel, didn't he? Yeah. And he, he was a first round guy, even with the injury issues, everybody said first round guy. And For he sure. just kept DeAndre falling. Jordan was probably rated 10th, 11th. He slipped to like 35th. The Wolves, of course, picked 34th yep. and didn't take him. Um, so, Frank yeah. Clark was rated high and just yeah. kept falling and falling and falling. Yeah, so I, I'm not saying that Pokashevsky's for sure going to fall, but that's the type of guy who tends to fall, the, the one who you don't really know what exactly you're looking at. Um, right. But, you know, 
you know you're intrigued by it but when you're the team accountable for the pick you're you're too scared and you'll take Jalen Smith or Josh Green or you know Mm -hmm. pick a guy who's just in that rating just behind him maybe that you're going to choose elsewhere RJ Hampton could be another one but with a guard you're probably going to have a little bit better feel for what you're getting Um, but I you know with his unusual background the last year you know that you never know He, he could fall I doubt he'll fall to 33 but he could yeah all right and Logan go for it yeah, you, you stole a few of my favorites. Um, yeah, I see Tyler that. Bay and uh, Pat or uh, Reed, I forget. Paul Reed. I'm just blanking on Paul Reed. There we go. I wanted to say Patrick, and I knew that was wrong. Yeah. I just couldn't remember it. But um, yeah, they're my two favorite second round picks. Both of them have a chance to be the best defender of this draft. And that's exactly what the Wolves need. They're, they're both two guys that. Um, Bay is a, a better team defender, and then Paul Reed is a guy that could come in and anchor everything a little bit more. Um, and if both of them, or if either of them are there, you take it and run, and you're going to get good value and you know, a good fit and need. Um, and then other than them, uh, my next guy is Jace Cook, obviously. And he is one of those like fun flyers where he played at Juco and you you have no idea if it's just his comp- competition being weak or what you're going to get out of him, but he's going to be a, a good scorer in a variety of ways. He When he was locked in, he showed that he could be a pretty good defender um, and he'll be a, a guy that could flop right away and just be a waste of a pick or could be a contributor pretty quick in an NBA level or at the NBA level. Um, and then one more guy um, would, that I'd be intrigued on burning a second on would be uh, Leandro Balmaro. Yeah. And he's his best quality is that he's the only significant Euro stash. Mm-hmm. As I mean, it sounds and the Wolves have a, a roster crunch where if there's no sexy option at 33, um, you might just pick the guy that goes overseas. And Omaro will bring some playmaking um, and some defense, but he's played minimal minutes in um, one of the Euro leagues, and, and there's not too much out there to tell on him other than the fact that he'll be a, a decent playmaker. Yeah, and I, I like that too, but I've heard – um, fears that he just doesn't ever come to the NBA. And, I mean, at the end of the day, probably not that big of a deal. Um, but you, you want to at least get a look at your Euro guy coming over um, after his, you know, his year is up or whatever. Is there any other prospects that you just really like that we weren't able to touch on? Because, I mean, there we ranked 50 prospects. Is there anybody we didn't get to touch on that you... Uh, would like to say anything about that you are really high on or maybe low on that other people seem to be high on? Uh, yeah. Um, Minnesota's Zeke Nanaji. Naji. I do not know how. Naji. There we go. Yep. Um, he's a really fun second round flyer as well. Um, just your, you know, energy big. He has potential to stretch his range out um, to three and he'd basically just be um, 
a apples to oranges version of a three point shooter than Kenneth Fareed. Um, okay, yeah, I've never heard that comp, but interesting. He'd be a fun guy to take a quick flyer on. I like Zeke. Um, I wouldn't like him at pick seventeen, but if he's there at thirty three, and you you know you want another big guy to potentially play behind Cat alongside Cat, I like Zeke there. Um, any thoughts on Zeke, Andy? Um, not really. I probably don't have much to add on than what you guys have already said. I certainly he seems to be rising a little bit. It seems like he's he's only getting better, which is a good sign. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah. I want to touch on just quick. Um, Daniel Aturu, too, another big from Minnesota, just um, solid play. One of the like most productive players in college basketball last season. Um, I mean, he played two years at the University of Minnesota. So I've got to see, and he's a prospect I've watched the most tape on just because I watched every single Gophers game. I watched him play in the state tournament against Trey Jones, and they're just a fun prospect. Um, He's adding some touch, especially in his second year. He's been working on it all summer, spring, summer, fall, heading into winter. Um, I think some team's going to walk away with him in the late first, early second, and just be really happy with like a quality backup big that can hopefully stretch the floor some, play some solid defense, and pass the ball a little bit. I think he's, I think he's a good player. I love Daniel and a good a good kid too. Whoever gets him, they're just, I mean, they're just gonna get a quality, not just player, but a quality person. And I think front offices value that as well. Mm-hmm. And then one thing too, just. I want to touch on a couple more. If you just want shooting, if the Timberwolves literally just want shooting, at 17, if you can get a guy like Aaron Neesmith, or if you can get a guy like if Tyrell Terry's there, or who was the other guy I was thinking for just Desmond straight up? Bain. Desmond Bain. Just, Isaiah Joe. Yeah, all those guys. If you just want shooting, like there's some guy, Josh Green, another one. If you just want some shooting, just go out and get a shooter. Um, so those guys are some really good shooters. Andy, did you have any th- anybody else you want to talk about that we didn't maybe? Touch I probably on? don't have anybody else. I think we've been pretty, pretty diligent. Pretty yeah. <laughs> um. I I want to ask you this: what would your what would your views be on Isaac Okoro coming to the Wolves in particular? Say we traded back to like five or six, picking up or traded up to like somewhere to get him to because there's been rumors of Timberwolves wanting to get another lottery pick too. Um Isaac Okoro, I just am scared with the redundancy of Akogi and Culver and all those guys not being good shooters. But I think Okoro is just really I think the only negative I have on him is that he's not a good shooter. He's a good passer, a good rebounder, a good defender, drives to the bucket well. I like him. I just wish he could shoot. If he could shoot he'd be the best player in this draft. But, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I, I I love the defense, you know, the the athleticism, the physicality, but um this team has got two young wings that have those qualities without a jump shot and this would be a third one and that seems to be a bad idea to repeat that formula over and over again. <laughs> right, but if but if we made a trade with Culver somewhere to get whoever Oh sure. Yeah, he'd if, be in for then Culver. I would yeah, then I would true. like him. But when we keep all three I get a little scared of yeah. the redundancy. I think he probably would maybe be the best of the three, 
But regardless, then yeah. you have three young wings that you just aren't sure what to do with. Um, yep, yep. I'm not wholly opposed to it, uh, but I'm not excited about it for that reason. Yeah, I get you there too. Logan, any thoughts on a Coro potentially with this Wolves roster? Yeah, um, he. I don't really have an issue with him and Josh Okogie, but him and Jared Culver have so much overlap that it just doesn't make sense to have both of them on the roster. If it was like 17 and Culver for him, or to trade up to grab him, I'd be a lot more okay with it. But I'm a little higher on Culver than most, so I'd and I am too. I'm just as a kind of wasted use of trading up to just grab a adjacent player again. Yeah, I wouldn't trade Culver just to trade up. I would want to trade him for more of a established type player to come to the team. Um, but yeah, so that's pretty much it on prospects. I just want to touch on one more thing in general. Um, I guess I want to ask how many picks do you think, how many players do you think the Timberwolves end up selecting um, on Wednesday night? And what do you think the overall path is and what would be your preferred path for like what picks we select with? Like, do you want to be at one? You want to trade out of one? You want to trade up from 17, trade out of 17? What's your, what's your ideal scenario there on draft night? Um, I guess I can start. Uh, I guess my ideal outcome would be trading down from one, collecting an additional asset in a perfect world. We'd get back into the 2021 draft. I'm guessing that's probably not going to happen, but um, you know, collect another asset that is, is helpful um, whatever that may be, um, if you can stay in the top three or four and, and stay in that sort of Lonzo Ball, or sorry, Lamelo Ball, James Wiseman, Edwards, Okongwu kind of territory. I have Okongwu up there. Not everyone does, but that kind of territory. Get one of those players, get another asset, um, and then see what uh, see what happens the rest of the way because, you know, if, if Culver and 17 can get you in the top 10 and maybe you can get like a – Patrick Williams or something like that, you know, a, a guy who's rated higher than that. You're definitely not getting at 17, right. but you feel like, you know, is, is a, is a meaningful boost to your team's long-term upside, then do that. But if, if those types of moves aren't there, then, then do your best. But I have no problem taking three rookies. I love that 33 spot. I, that's, that's a spot where, you know, you, like you said, you can get a non-guaranteed deal with some flexibility to it and, and maybe get a guy with some upside. So but I, I would like to trade down from one if they can get something for it. Logan, your thoughts. Yep. My, uh, my ideal outcome is that the news just doesn't stop coming about the Wolves doing this move and this move and this move and this move and this move, and we just have a thrill of a draft night. Mm -hmm. um, but that probably isn't realistic. Uh, my second unrealistic outcome would be Ben Simmons. Yeah. And then yeah. if we had to stay in the draft, <laughs> um, I'd probably, I'd probably, I honestly don't know. I, I want Melo Ball, I, but I'd also love to trade down and get something else. Um, I don't think I'd trade up from 17. I think there's a lot of quality guys there, unless someone like, it was it was like pick nine and you could get you could trade up from seventeen thirty three to get nine and get like a Devin Vassell or something like that. But um I wouldn't trade anything meaningful like Jared Culver or Josh Okogie 
to get all the way up to the back into the, the top part of the lottery just to um, do it. Yeah. I think I said on Twitter that if uh, they get Ben Simmons, I'll I'll build a Rosas statue to the best of my ability, and I'll I'll stick to that. I would um, too. I'll be right there helping you. I'd, that would be. He's like the perfect, and it, it's going to be. For now, it's a, you know, it's a really big stretch. Um, but he's like the perfect player to put next to Towns. That is somewhat realistically attainable. You know, obviously, like Giannis would be like the perfect player next to Cap, but that's never ever going to happen. Ben Simmons is like the perfect player I could yeah. see potentially happening at some point. Uh, for me, on draft night, my ideal scenario would be the Wolves trade back from one to three, pick up someone like a Miles Bridges or a future pick, and then trade from three back to like six, seven, eight range and pick up just another small asset just to make you marginally better or give you a marginal asset to um, trade for someone else. Because I'm not too keen on picking at three. I'd rather pick at like six, seven, or eight. Honestly, I feel better about some of those guys there that could have, that could really fill, fit a need. Um, so I kind of like that idea more than anything else. And then I wouldn't be opposed to trading up from 17, but I wouldn't give up anything. It would, I, I couldn't see myself giving up uh, Culver or Kogi to do it. It would have to be something less if you wanted to get to like 14 or something. You had to throw in a little bit. I'm okay with that, but I don't necessarily see a need to get to 17 because I think you can find a good player at 17 and not necessarily have to trade up for him. And then I want to keep 33 and just find that value guy and hope that you can get somebody on a non-guaranteed contract that just um, has some value or some potential upside. One of the two, either immediate impact value, like a point guard defender in Trey Jones, or the guy that slips that has some future potential to be something special. Uh, So that's my ideal scenario. Um, I know bringing in three rookies is a lot sometimes. Uh, but with how high-strung the Timberwolves cap situation is, I could definitely see us doing that to uh, keep the, you know, get better on the margins and not um, jump over that tax line again this season. Yeah. Any final, any final thoughts, words, questions, anything about draft or Timberwolves in particular? It's been a long time coming. Been months for sure looking forward to it that's the main thing haven't had any real wolves stuff for over a half a year it's been crazy and we <laughs> thought we had something with the sale and then that has been slow treading yeah. up you yeah. know and yeah, i just i want some real news it's tough to be a blogger in this day and age of no real timberwolves news and you're just yeah. trying to make something out of not much um so it's gonna be exciting to just have something to write about, talk about, get excited about. Then, I mean, we don't got much turnaround. Season starts five weeks after the draft or whatever it is, a little over five weeks after the draft. So it's going to be a quick off season. Um, we're going to have free agency next week. It's just going to be a wild ride. And I don't know if the Timberwolves make any huge splashes, um, but <clears throat> I, I just hope they make the right moves and just get better um, in the places they need to. That's all we can really ask. I think overall, the NBA with some of these players like Westbrook asking for a trade, James Harden supposedly asking for a trade, we could see some bigger movement than we maybe expected um, coming into this 
summer, quote-unquote summer. Um, but yeah, it's going to be fun. Oh, yeah. And I'm glad that we kept searching Gupta for it, Oh, too. Yeah, I, yeah. I was really nervous we were going to lose Gupta and David Vanterpool um, because I think those are two really important guys for this um, organization. So I'm glad we kept them and we have them and really get a real shot with them, hopefully with a healthy roster. Um, but yeah, well, anyways, I think that's going to do it. So thank you guys for coming on. It was fun, an hour and a half of Timberwolves content that actually matters um, by Wednesday night. We'll have to see what goes down. Something's going to happen. Either way, there's going to be a trade or we're going to we're gonna pick somebody or something. It's not like Wednesday comes and nothing exciting happens. Something is going to happen, and that's what has me most excited. So, For sure. All right. Oh, yeah. Well, hopefully for having us on. Yeah, yeah, hopefully no big news comes out as soon as we end this call. But uh, thank you guys so much for coming on. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.